welcome to our CL Insights podcast. I'm Paddy Tarbuck. I'm the Innovation Manager for Sustainability. And I'm pleased to bring you today a special podcast to launch our new Net Zero and Livestock report, which we've titled Bridging the Gap. The third publication in our Net Zero and Livestock series takes us through some of the new innovations in technology, services and management approaches that bridge the current emissions gap in the livestock sector. But before we dive into the new report, I think it's a great idea to show you how we got here and our journey into Net Zero at CL. I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Young, Innovation Specialist at CL, who has had the pleasure of being across all three of our Net Zero and Livestock reports. So there's no one better to talk through our journey than Mark. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, Paddy. Um, maybe slightly over eating the cake there, but um, for my sins, I have been involved in all those reports. So it's a good point as to how we got to the point we are now with this third report. The first report, which was about net zero and UK livestock, was basically benchmarks and looking at where the hotspots were for um, emissions in the various production systems for the different animal types that we farm. The following report in 2022, it looked at what farmers can do now. What are the different technologies, management strategies they can employ to minimize emissions? But both reports were aiming at the goal of a 64% reduction. We assumed that uh, livestock agriculture, like the rest of agriculture, had, was going to aim for the same goal of 64% reduction in emissions by 2050. But the sobering conclusion was that we could only get 24 percentage points reduction with known technology. So 64% goal, 24% from known technology. And that left this gap of 40%. And so this current board was basically saying, where else can we look for innovation? We need more innovations if we're going to meet that goal of 64%. So, Patty, tell us a bit more about the report and what it's found. Yeah, and of course, you know, that 64% reduction being the the UK's Climate Change Committee, uh, 64% uh, reduction by 2050 in agriculture and land use and forestry. So agriculture being a big part of that, but obviously, you know, we've got to look at the land use element within that. Um, and I think in previous net zero and livestock reports, as you highlighted, Mark, um, we, we looked at some of those emission sources from the different, um, you know, sector by sector emission sources. Um, and explored some of the existing efforts and management approaches to reduce the sector by sector emissions in livestock. Everything from grassland management in sheep farming um, to slurry management in pig production um, and, and everything in between. Um, so I think the important thing at CL is we recognise that current modes in, in modern food production is contributing significantly to global emissions and environmental impact. But the critical piece here is that we firmly believe that agriculture has a, a huge opportunity to be part of the solution. Um, and we're already seeing evidence of sustainable circular farming systems. And we know that rapid innovation has, is going to have a key role to play alongside widespread systems transformation. Um, but we need to continue unlocking that potential for innovation and fast tracking adoption across the industry. Because innovation is just as much about developing new technologies as is about new ways of thinking and managing systems. So that's sort of why, why, where we landed with this third report and why we commissioned the, the third in our series of net zero and livestock publications. Um, now, Bridging the Gap is effectively a combination of short reports 
on ideas uh, or innovation areas that have the potential to accelerate emissions reductions. We commissioned leading scientists and technology experts, and they delivered short reports on these sort of innovation areas. Um, everything from, you know, methane inhibitors and feed additives to innovative manure management and soil carbon sequestration. You know, we, we asked those leading scientists to then explore the potential impact, the technology readiness, um, the emissions reduction potential and, you know, the, the wider co-benefits, because it's important here that we're not just talking about carbon. We then took those ideas um, and split them into sort of four key innovation areas, um, which we landed on health and genetics and the broad topic, as Mark will tell me, of health and genetics, <laughs> nutrition, um, waste and land. Now, health and genetics, we have sort of three reports in that section. Um, innovations sort of on animal health, such as boosting immunity through vaccines and the, the sort of massive emissions reductions we can get just from, from prioritising animal health and wellbeing, um, to prophylactic um, health products in aquaculture that both of these, I guess, increase productivity, reduce resource use, um, costs and ultimately greenhouse gas emissions. So a win-win really. Um, there are also some kind of further developments, particularly for in, in the ruminant space, focusing on lowering methane emission from enteric fermentation through sort of selective, selective genetic breeding and genetic improvements, which are featured in the report. Um, for nutrition, this is obviously, a, you know, a, a massive impact area within uh, sort of global livestock emissions and something that we highlighted in previous reports as well. This sort of twin challenge or twin goal of reducing emissions from ruminant digestion and enteric fermentation being number one challenge um, in terms of methane emissions and the short-lived yet sort of powerful role that uh, methane emissions have in the atmosphere to feed production for non-ruminants. Um, and we try to sort of tackle both of those through through some of these reports. So the sort of methane emissions from ruminant digestion can be targeted using methane inhibitors and methane vaccines. Um, whereas research into novel feed proteins unlocks some of those opportunities for sustainable feed production as well. Everything from algae protein as a feed to uh, sort of plant-based proteins as well. Um, waste, thirdly waste. Um, there's, uh, I guess, a, a growing need for circular approaches to, to sort of nutrient cycling, um, which, which sort of brings us on to a, a future report, which we'll, we'll hold for, for the time being. Um, but circular approaches to waste management and nutrient cycling are increasing in, in sort of urgency and demand um, in the sector. So we looked at manure processing and effective management of, uh, of manure, which sort of paves the way of circularity in the sector. Um, and when we talk about sector, we're talking about livestock and aquaculture here um, with, with sort of waste valorization being a sort of key um, action area and intervention area within aquaculture as well. So um, within Sort of land-based systems we're looking at innovations in terms of plasma treatment of slurry which um and to applied very kindly um supported um and, and sort of conducted the report there um manure management from both solid form and liquid slurry is is actually accountable for about 10 percent of total greenhouse gas emissions from livestock production so effective kind of management approaches there are, are really key and novel ways of uh, of, of dealing with uh, manure management and finally, I guess um, land, um, the sort of big elephant in the room, I guess, um, the uh, the sort of crucial role of soil health within climate mitigation. We know that 
getting to net zero is not going to be easy. And we know that the IPCC synthesis report this year has, has even highlighted that um, agriculture is one of those sectors that is difficult to decarbonize, you know, characterized as a difficult to decarbonize sector. So it's going to rely on sequestering and or removing ex, you know, residual emissions from the atmosphere. Um, and I guess that's where agriculture comes in is because of the land use element within um, with agricultural systems, there's there's an opportunity there to actually recouple some of those benefits, um, some of which farmers are already doing. We're just not measuring it in a way that is sort of uh, um, accountable at this point. So there's a there's a big role for soil health and climate mitigation and and soil carbon sequestration. So technologies to better enhance soil carbon, such as biochar, um, coupling that up with precision agriculture, presents kind of opportunities to align strategies for for both carbon dioxide removal efforts and the, the sort of overall pro productivity of those food systems as well. The key thing within that is we, we've put together a, a list of reports and ideas, but there is, you know, a bit more we can do, um, Mark, isn't there? Yes, there is. Thanks, Paddy. And it's obvious for what you're talking about here is there's information gaps that we need to fill to bridge this emissions gap. And uh, that's very interesting. I think there's also, I think, a, a section on looking at the extent to which regulation or other um, systems uh, can promote or enhance um, innovation in the innovation space too. So it's not just about the the biology and technology. It's also thinking about what can we can do to help support the innovation effort, isn't it? The You've covered a fairly wide range of things there, and um, it, it perhaps someone will have an idea that we haven't covered in areas. Thinking about the question of what more could we do, have we have we turned over every stone in this search, and we've we've picked the best ones, or or what? I think that, that yeah, the, the question in there is 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 a good one. In uh, you know, we can only cover as much as we can cover, and I think this is as much about sort of what innovation is, uh, isn't is there and isn't covered in the report as it is about the innovations that we have covered. And that's not to say that these innovations that we've covered in the report will play a major role in reducing widespread emissions. They have the potential for enormous impact. Um, but it's, it's almost a toolbox of solutions we're looking at. Um, we know that each farming system is complex and dynamic and adaptable. Um, so, Covering one innovation might not necessarily uh, um, fit for the for a different farming system. So I think it's important that we're we're constantly having these conversations and constantly looking at place-based um, innovation. Um, and that I guess comes on to the to the point of how do we engage better and how do we engage with farmers and build capacity at that sort of farm level to make sure that on-farm innovation is adopted. Um, because of course that's one of the the kind of key messages that that comes out of these reports is, you know, there's there's a there's a lot of uh, innovation out there. There's a lot of solutions to tackle climate change. We have a lot of them um, in our sort of arsenal and suite of of tools, but um, there is still limited uptake. Um, so it's it's almost sort of two sides of the coin. We need to keep innovating, but we also need to make sure we're communicating as well. Yes, and I, I think. When it came down to choosing which of these topics to fund the reports on, you had um, 
more ideas than we had funding for. So it's not meant to be exhaustive, is it? Yeah. But what about um, people who who have the view that, you know, you're very preoccupied with carbon. Why is everything about carbon? What sort of um, answer have you got for people who've got that concern? Yeah, it's, it's an important question, um, Mark. I think it's it's something that's continuously sort of rearing its head, this carbon debate and the the relative, I guess, carbon tunnel vision that, that we're seeing across various industries, not just the livestock sector, but the livestock sector seems to be where it's sort of under the spotlight a little bit more so. Um, you know, I see carbon as a, a sort of dimension within the wider holistic sustainability um, dimensions on, in, in livestock. Um, we have to find ways of measuring um, carbon emissions on farm better, um, more accurately. We know it's not perfect. Um, we know that there are some fantastic tools out there, um, but we also need to align that with um, wider impacts and co-benefits and co-impacts um, such as biodiversity. And we know that's coming around the corner pretty quickly um, in terms of being able to measure and um, monitor farm um, biodiversity impact. Um, and there are tools out there that exist. Um, it's just making sure we get those in, in the hands of the farmers as well. Um, yeah, and I guess more importantly on your question on uh, have we covered everything? And I guess the short answer is no. Um, and, and we probably weren't going to be able to in, in, a, in a sort of short report. Um, but we know that we uh, we need to continue having those conversations and we need to sort of keep pushing that forward. And within the CL network, um, we know that we can facilitate those conversations and we know we can keep pushing that innovation forward. That's really helpful, Paddy. The um, report is what it is in terms of the topics that it's covered. What, where do you think this sort of positions us in terms of what the report's going to actually do for us? So in summary, Paddy, what does the latest report, what position does this put us in? Yeah, so I, I guess it, it, in summary, this report is uh, is more about kind of enabling that pathway to net zero. It's what additional innovations exist that could get us to that point. Um, and necessarily within that, you know, what are the barriers to uptake um, beyond this in terms of we've we've sort of identified some of these key innovations, we've identified the knowledge gaps, um, the potential impact, some of these big ticket items that, that might be able to sort of deliver widespread emissions reductions, um, but are not necessarily at all at a sort of market readiness level that we need them to be at. Um, and it's 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 sort of that signal of intent um, within innovation to policymakers, to to change makers, to um, to, to to government, to to investors uh, on where they should be putting their support. Um, and and CL again is 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 kind of perfectly positioned to sort of facilitate um, facilitate that. And it also puts the onus back on the innovators and entrepreneurs. Um, to tackle some of these challenges and, and, and work together with industry um, and, and government to to sort of uh, to bridge that gap. Um, but I guess if if we had sort of a few ticket items, Mark, for for those innovators that might be listening and entrepreneurs, um, what are the sort of barriers that they um, 
they are trying to navigate and, and how can we best support them at SEAL? It's a very, very good point because um, we want to oil the wheels of innovation too. We don't want it sort of being using up extra energy just to turn because of the way regulations or knowledge of the funding mechanisms are. And so, yes, we welcome um, inquiries to how we can help with innovation to people. You mentioned a couple of times in your description of the report and some of the consequences about uh, low rates of adoption and that and market readiness, which you talked about, they're going to limit the impact. Yet the two original um, carbon reports we did in 2020 and 2022, they said we've got this gap and that's assuming we have high uptake, which we don't have. So uh, getting a high uptake of known technology is important or vital and we also then would be in a good position to help drive uptake in new technologies. Um, it's not really the subject of this report, but the expectation is CL will be doing some work in that space in the future to talk about how we can help um, drive uptake. So in, in an essence, um, how, what can you tell the, the listeners about um, what they conclude about this report we've released? What what's what's the take home message, as it were? Yeah, that, thanks, Martin. It's, it's it's a great point itself, and it's almost a, a call to action for all our CL members that are listening. Um, it's that you know, I, I guess solutions exist. Um, they're happening, and, and and we know that innovation is 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 progressing, and has got us to a point where we're we're already seeing those emissions reductions. Um, but we need to get it to that next stage and we need to make sure that we're collaborating across sectors. We need to make sure that we're um, engaging with, with farmers, understanding their perceptions to risk, understanding their perceptions to, to adopt a new innovation, looking at the social science within this, which is obviously a, a key battle we know at, at SEAL in terms of uh, knowledge transfer and knowledge exchange. Um, and uh, working with uh, those key decision makers as well and making sure we've got that enabling regulation and policy frameworks to to uh, to allow innovations to flourish really. Um, I think that's a very important point that um, it's not just the innovators we need to be it's sort of a triangle isn't it between innovation and funding and policy and we need to be having everyone in the room talking together. So I think that's a an excellent point to end on, but what does the listener do about getting hold of the report? Well, I'm glad you asked, Mark. Um, and I'm sure all our listeners are, are keen to get their hands on the report. I'm pleased to say that the Net Zero and Livestock Bridging the Gap report is now available for you all to download on the CL website. You can find a link to the report in the podcast description. Um, we also hosted a webinar where we were joined by some of the key report authors who discussed the report's findings and answered some some questions from our from our audience. This is now available to watch back in the in the member area. If you have any questions or a particular interest in any of the technologies mentioned, please contact the the CLT. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.